God, remember back when we were watching Skin of Evil? We've come a long way, Aaron. How far have we come? A long way. Long from, way. From there to here. Galaxies. Far, <laughs> far away. Oh, man. I sometimes may wish I was back watching Skin of Evil. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, speaking of Skin of Evil, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Star Trek show. Welcome on back. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the greatest single episode Star Trek's ever produced, Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek story. Yeah, that's definitely it. It, it is a Star Trek story. Mm-hmm. Skin of Evil. It is one of them. For our coverage on Skin of Evil, please see episode. <laughs> <laughs> and for any special features regarding that episode, please like. <laughs> hey, we had fun. We had fun watching Skin, skin of we Evil. Should uh, uh, we probably have the best skin of evil coverage I feel like anyone's ever done. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Someone has to. We've got, we've got you covered on both Haven and skin of evil, folks. Mm-hmm. Friday's Child, forget so, about oh, it. Forget it. <laughs> forget it. TGIFC. Um, oh, of course. Welcome to Star Trek Stories, everyone. Uh, Julian Bashir is on the show. He made it. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> um... Yes, welcome to Star Trek Stories, everyone. Um, I am your host, uh, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my uh, good friend and co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Jaron. Good friend and co-host. Good friend and co-host. Um, pretty good. It's been so long. It has been quite a while. <laughs> Minutes. <laughs> what a minute. <laughs> six, it's been 60 seconds. We, we each had our own potty break. Yep. Some guac. Some chips. I showed Aaron my Lord of the Rings book that I just got. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. Beautiful. Um, hardcover edition. Um, but now we're coming to boring old Star Trek. <sighs> Sorry. Everybody. God, can I get back to Star Trek? God, they talk a lot about Star Trek on this podcast. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, welcome back, everyone. Um, uh, last time, actually, we weren't. Um, doing Star Trek. We were doing nerd movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, we just got done watching um, a nerd movie. We just uh, finished doing nerd movies for, so we we do other things. Um, Branch out a little bit. Uh, we just got done watching Mad Max Fury Road. Witness. <laughs> It's probably about as far as and I think about what we've watched on those nerd movies. I'm like, uh, being them being little Star Trek palate cleansers. I'm like, Mad Max is probably about as far from Star Trek as anything we <laughs> post-apocalyptic car <laughs> action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Humanity took a, a different <laughs> <laughs> Very different. It's been, a, it's been a long road getting from there to here. Oof. Uh, Mostly just to there <laughs> just right to there and then you run out of gas <laughs> um yeah but fun little change up um you know and we did mad max there's a little action and we you know we did the whole thing is like this is the purest action movie that's ever been made um you know now that we've got mad max in the rear view mirror what do you think uh <laughs> um as far as you know, the action movie genre goes, do you have a favorite action film? Like, if like I know we've just been hyping up Mad Max for being glorious and wonderful, but it's, it's so many good choices. Um, 
my go-to answer is the matrix the original matrix mm-hmm. i love that movie um we probably should tell everyone that uh when we were deciding nerd movies for matrix was in strong contention oh it was there it's it was up there. basically that and mad max we're like which one and then we went mad max yeah. we must have watched the matrix at some point yeah and part of me feels like it's a little too easy it's just an awesome movie <laughs> so is mad max yeah I don't know. Just because I love it so much, maybe that's when I'm like, mm, let's hold off. Mm. Uh, Matrix has certainly had a lot more time to sit in the public conscious. Mm. Uh, I still haven't seen, what is it, Matrix Rebirth, the oh, fourth one? Number four. Yeah. We went to see it yeah. a bit ago. Yeah. You know, it was mostly bad. <laughs> yes. Mostly bad. But there were still some shining moments of good in there. Yeah. Let's not look at Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should say the larger the yeah, Matrix like franchise. Two out of three of the Matrix movies. Two out of four. Uh, you know, I, the, I love the first film. Yeah. After the first film, it was kind of like... And the Hollywood sequels. Yeah. There's good stuff in them. Oh, yeah. The action <laughs> sequences, the set pieces in those movies are amazing. Oh, the, free, the freeway sequence in Matrix... Um, Reloaded. Reloaded is probably the single best action sequence in the entire. Series. I used to like just like rewind it and watch it, and just rewind it and watch it again. Just the freeway scene. Yeah. From the moment Trinity busts out of the uh, parking garage. It's really good. The sword fight in oh. that film too was really in epic. the chateau. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Very good scene. I'm not as crazy on the Mr. Smith's fight. They, they like the, oh. the million Mr. Smiths. Like, it's a cool idea. They just weren't quite. The graphics? No, it is. Know? It does not age well. That sequence, not at all. No, it would be really cool if if the Wachowskis went back and like redid, like touched up a lot of the CG. Yeah, which like I feel a, like they like could a do remastered version. Yeah, kind of a thing, and just a the couple Matrix. of sequences. Is like, yeah, we didn't have it then, but here you go. The Matrix remastered. Come on, that's yeah, there you go. Matrix remastered. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I call you? I don't know. Do your thing. um you know i did like the probably my favorite matrix thing aside from the first film is probably actually animatrix oh that's so good on that i'm like okay there's actually some interesting different stuff in here and the first the second renaissance part one and two Mm. in the animatrix they just made me feel like so dark and gross the first time i watched those Mm. nothing ever made me feel like that Mm. in a show before the ones that stuck out to me were, yeah, there's, there's certainly those. Um, the ones where the kids who discover, like, the glitch in the Matrix mm-hmm. was a cool one. And the last one with, like, the private detective, like, the noir one with the detective. Super it, cool. It's cool. There's that really bizarre one where uh, the humans are on some level. I think it's, like, a program where they might be in Earth and they're, like, working with robots. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. And one like breaks through the other side of consciousness to to reality. I, it's it's hard to describe. There's one with the guy. I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but there's the one with like the runner, like the. Oh yeah, there's that one. And he he runs so fast that he like he breaks out of the matrix. He breaks out of the matrix. That one is great. The art style is so definitive. In yeah. The, in the particular. Uh, 
I mean, yeah. It all all of them. They all got a unique art style. It's really cool. That um, one still sticks out strongly in my mind for whatever reason. Yeah, if I had to pick up, like, the first film for me is more or less the beginning and end of my Matrix fandom. But after that, I would say, like, yeah, the Animatrix had some fun stuff in there. Really cool ideas. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll do, maybe, maybe we'll do Matrix. Great. Great act. Definitely another kind of action movie that's wor- also working on a kind of deeper, more interesting level than, but it, but it is also just a pure and abashed action movie. <laughs> yeah, so Matrix is a good one. Up. Oh yeah. Um, I still, I think personally I would still probably do Mad Max Fury Road over Matrix yeah. personally, but um, uh, certainly in terms of a pure, like just action movie, but um, probably, you know, it's up there, Matrix. Oh gosh, they're both such good stories. It's hard to say. Yeah, they're definitely doing different things, but um, both both very stylistically strong and interesting mm-hmm. on an aesthetic level. They both work really well. Both um, all right, who knows? Maybe we'll get there. Stay on. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll. If we work really hard, everyone, we can all get to that post-apocalyptic future together. Exactly. One or the other. <laughs> Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully we're going to Star Trek times. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That would be the better one. That would be the better one. Um, still has its own issues. Transporter malfunctions and, you know, Star Trek, you know, it's not post-apocalyptic, but you might end up with a transporter double at some point in your life. Yeah. Star Wars times, it feels like all the, all the good times were in the early years. Yeah. Here's the, here's my hot take. Um, Star Wars is secretly like. I don't know, well, maybe not a post-apocalyptic, but is dystopian. It's mm-hmm. just constant war all the time. No matter what era of Star Wars you're in, because of the title, it's literally just endless. endless and, war. You, and you could argue that's how it is in real life. It just seems like it's just taken too, like. <laughs> but is that on the galactic scale? <laughs> on a galactic scale all the time. Yeah. All the tech is super junky, except for, you know. Yeah, and then there's like, the you know. Empire. You know, hokey religions and <laughs> <laughs> everyone's disconnected from each other. And some people are born with higher midichlorian counts and are just naturally more gifted than others. I'm like, that's fucked. I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> that person becomes Darth Vader. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's my hot take. Star Wars is secretly uh, a dystopia, not a not a universe I would want to live in. <laughs> no, not great. Star Trek, on the other hand, I would want to live in more or less. There's sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't. The occasional like Earth invasion of the Borg or some probe trying to speak to whales or something's not good. Would not necessarily want to live on Cardassia Prime. No. Or Kronos. No. I'm not a huge fan of their cuisine. <laughs> yeah, being on some of the other Star Trek species would be a living hell. Mm. Being human is not too bad. Right. <laughs> uh, in the good old... Um, Star Trek times. Um, yeah, it's a spicy take. Being a human in the Star Trek universe is like being a white guy on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective, folks. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek, the white guy privilege feature. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, you're human, right? This way. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, the Vulcans. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. But humans kind of treat the Vulcans like dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To be fair, the Vulcans are are snide. Vulcans end up becoming the laughing stock for the entire galaxy. Woof. We have no emotions. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Says the most emotional people ever. What? Um, Yes, we are headed back into a future filled with Star Trek here on Star Trek Stories. Um. Um, yeah, we are going to be continuing on with our 100 episode list that we've been slowly going through over these last several months. Um, woohoo! Um, uh, we're calling this, um, for those who are new joining to the show, um, we're calling this a hundred episode list venturing through the universe, um, in which in this list we are basically exploring the entire Star Trek franchise getting one just kind of 100 episode snapshot of the whole franchise because at this point of this recording there are 908 official Star Trek productions in terms of like the shows. <laughs> so, uh we're getting to a point where this will we're not this is essentially a ninth. This is where we are now and we're looking at like a ninth and then eventually that's going to be a tenth. Crazy. This thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger but just wild. So even 100 episodes is still only a fraction of <laughs> the entire thing, which is insane. Which is insane. Um, That's so much. That's so much TV. It's so much. It'll it'd take you years to watch it all. They're going to have to bring it out in parts in the Smithsonian one day. Yeah, like This is the series of Star Trek we put on special this year. And switch out the exhibits and mm-hmm. bring out something new. Um. Yeah, so we kind of watch all of this in kind of little batches and little selections of episodes, all kind of focusing on um, a little era of the franchise. Um, in our last section of um, episodes, we took a look at the TNG glory years. Um, for many, this whole era of Star Trek The Next Generation represents the creative height of the of Golden Age Trek Um which is kind of what we're like watching right now. Um, for those who are in, um, more new, Golden Age Trek, it's that giant span of Star Trek that spans from 1987 to 2005 when there was just like constant Star Trek on all the time. Movies, multiple television shows, um, kind of the peak of its kind of popularity. or uh, certainly, certainly at least in terms of its just production output. My goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, and so yeah, kind of the last chunk. A lot of people's kind of what people point to is like, yeah, this was this is the golden age of the golden age. Um, but there's still so much more in the golden age to watch and take a look at, um, which is what we're going to be doing in this next chunk of episodes. Um, be a while, folks. Yeah, for this next selection of episodes, we are going to be continuing our journey through the golden age of Trek, and we're going to be mixing things up a bit um so far our episode selections have been mostly focused on a single series um whether it be star trek the original series or star trek the next generation um and for those respective shows those shows were the star trek franchise at the time like when the og show was on there was no that that was it star trek was just that show um, and Next Generation was on. Like, yeah, there were still the old reruns, but that was the show that was holding the torch. There was nothing else. Um, but at this point, TNG had become such a smash hit that Paramount 
wanted to capital capitalize on the popularity of the show um, by creating a spinoff. Um, so for the first time, there would be two Star Trek shows on at the same time. Um, Double whammy. Yeah. Then that's kind of really what the theme of this section is like when it really, this is when it really expands into a franchise. Mm-hmm. There isn't just the one Star Trek show. Now there are multiple shows. Star Trek shows happening and movies are still happening and um, it, 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 it has expanded. Yeah. And, there's just too many stories um, they wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, so for this next selection of episodes, um, we are going to be calling this Deep Space Nine and the end of TNG. Oh. Um, We've done twofers before, but now we're getting like a one big giant twofer of two different Star Trek shows. They're going to be bouncing back and forth between for a little, a little bit, um, which will be fun. A lot of compare and contrast coming our way with these two shows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you know, as TNG was like headed into its later seasons, like the ratings were higher than they ever were, um, and the powers that be, they wanted to like make sure the franchise would continue once TNG had ended because it was starting to get into like it's later seasons and they knew it was going to be ending at some point, but like it's so popular still. We got to keep this whole thing going. Yep. Money, money, money. Mm-hmm. Got to make that money. Um, so at this point, Rick Berman is running the show. Gene Ronberry has now passed, um, passed away, no longer running things. The original creator, now it's all kind of in the hands of Rick Berman, who this, who's basically Gene Roddenberry's replacement. It's like the the granddaddy of Star Trek, um, and so he was tasked with creating a spinoff to TNG, and like specifically, they were looking for a show that could share resources with Next Generation, so they could split some cost between the two shows, but then would also be something very different to Next Generation. Um, and so, and so, and then the, the other thing was that this show was going to be debuting while next generation was still on the air. Um, and so real quick, they were, they felt that it would be inappropriate to do another show based on another ship. There's like, we we just don't want to have a, we don't, we don't want two you know, shows about ships out there are going to do so. We got to somehow differentiate it. Too samey. So they decided instead um, that the new show would be set on a space station um, rather than a, a, a ship. And like, rather than going out and exploring the universe, like they would just be in one place and the universe would be coming to them, which is essentially just like an inverse of mm-hmm. the, like the Star Trek formula. Um, and this was a fairly bold choice at the time to do this. Um, it's yeah. kind of the Empire Strikes Back of <laughs> Star Trek. It opens up, yeah, a lot of lore potential too, like Empire did. And, yep, yeah, it absolutely does. Instead of just being a fleet of ships going into space, now you have like cemented uh, homes, roots in the galaxy, right? Yeah, places where people live mm-hmm. don't really go anywhere so much, like, but they have a home. Um. Yeah, and like, and the hope with this show was that with D, with this new, um, and the show would of course become 
the much beloved D Space Nine, which we've been hyping up for a good while now. <laughs> um, the hope with Deep Space Nine uh, would be that this show would like change things up, but still kind of offer enough of the classic Star Trek experience. Like it would continue the franchise after um, TNG ended, but they were definitely headed into uncharted waters with this show. So there was a lot of like, we'll see what happens with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's going to be probably the biggest thing we're going to be looking at in this is how successful they are reinventing the franchise um, and with the hopes of also pushing it forward for the future with um, Deep Space Nine, um, which is very exciting because I think we've talked about many times before, Aaron, that Deep Space Nine is the... I think we're both agreed that Deep Space Nine is secretly the best Star Trek show they ever did. I just peed a little bit. <laughs> just thinking about it. Uh, so this is certainly going to be exciting for you and I, and I know for some of our fans, this will also be exciting because Deep Space Nine is like the cult classic within the cult classic. <laughs> like it's it's the hard. There's you know Trekkies are hardcore fans, and then there's the Niners, which are the hardcore hardcore um trekkie fans um but then there are still people to this day who don't this d space nine is not their thing they like the kind of going out into space having the little weekly kind of mm-hmm. mini adventures and what did we learn this week and t space nine isn't quite that it's different there's it's it, you know it's still there, it, there's still similarities but it's different <laughs> for sure i think part of it is some people just being contrary because nerds love to be contrary but you know it's not everybody's cup of tea no i mean you know and star trek's always had like some f- people in different camps mm-hmm. there's just there's so much of it now like there are so many different camps in star trek um you got your show so this one is still on some degree polarizing even though as the years have gone on time has only been kind to this show for the most part and more and more fans have popped up I'm like, yeah, this show was awesome. I missed it when it first came on, but this show was awesome. And then there's still some people. It's like, I gave it another shot, and it still didn't do it for me. So for those of you new to Deep Space Nine, this will be your chance to figure out your own feelings for <laughs> Deep Space Nine. For those of you who don't like it, you don't give it another, another shot. Another, another, another shot. So just get past the first season. Just once you get, I mean, once you just kind of get into it, it just... It just, it's a, D Space Nine is a slow burn. Yeah, certainly. But eventually you get to a point where, like, that snowball is rolling down that hill. And you're like, oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I just love it so much. Um, another thing with Deep Space Nine um, is that it is a concerted effort to, like, tonally be different to TNG. Like TNG's the quasi-utopian, ultra-optimistic Star Trek show, even when compared with like the original series. I mean, Star Trek in general is the optimistic sci-fi show, but TNG is just the. Um, for this show, they decided to make it noticeably darker hmm. um, and moodier, um, and with the kind of goal that's like, you know, if TNG is going to be like TNG very much takes this 
this is the right thing to do and this is the right thing to do and this is whereas Deep Space Nine is much more I would say they get more in that shade the gray territory where things are much more complicated and sticky and sometimes there isn't easy answers to anything mm-hmm. and again some people just did not respond to that that's not what they came to Star Trek for they came to Star Trek for that kind of feel good quality and Deep Space Nine wasn't quite bringing them back to earth a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. shit got real on D space nine yeah um but then you get episodes like the tribbles redux oh, like some uh, of the goofiest episodes in the franchise also oh belong God. to D space nine <laughs> when they go goofy on D space nine they go real goofy you get little green men you like, get <laughs> The, oh the James Bond episode, yes. <laughs> which is complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the baseball episode, the baseball, which is also episode. complete nonsense. Such a good episode. The Ocean's Eleven episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they do some, the, the magnificent Ferengi. <laughs> Garrick as a character. Brunt, FCA, the Grand Nagus. All the Ferengi episodes. <laughs> Every Ferengi all time. Uh, you get lots of, I mean, there's lots of different shades to Deep Space Nine. It is not just all dark the whole time. It is also. You got to lighten up sometimes. Sometimes it's very silly. Sometimes it is kind of very like meaningful and thought provoking. Sometimes they do like the high concept stuff. Like sometimes it's just characters. There's lots of character stuff in Deep Space Nine. It's probably the one where they go hardest into the character stuff. Mm-hmm. So if character stuff is your thing, then you probably are already a fan of Deep Space Nine. Um, and that's another thing that kind of differenti- differentiates this show, um, especially from Next Generation, is that Next Generation, Gene Roddenberry had that infamous edict where he's like, there's going to be no conflict between the characters. They're all future people, and they're hunky-dory, and they're perfect, and they're wonderful, and that's just that's just not how it's going to be in the future. And then after he kind of passed, they're like, they've still found, they found some ways to kind of, but they're all still pretty. Yeah. We're best friends and we're on the, we're our family. We're going to work it out. Or, yeah. Cause we love each other. <laughs> um, second rule of fight club. What is it? Second rule of fight club is treat others how you want to be treated. Oh, okay. I think that's what it is. <laughs> the golden rule. Um, Deep Space Nine is not quite that. Like, Deep Space Nine, there is much more conflict between all of the characters. That doesn't mean they don't love each other, or at least eventually love each other. <laughs> but there is a lot more conflict between all the characters in Deep Space Nine. Um, which makes it a much more dynamic show, again, in, in terms of, like, character dynamics and stuff. Like, that's where so much of the drama and conflict of this show comes from, is the interplay between the characters and how they kind of they all they all have their own points of view and those points of view kind of all come up against each other mm-hmm. uh, again not some people's what they came to Star Trek for but no they want solutions Picard not speeches problems. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean which is which is fine like not to not to discount that or to criticize I mean, I, I mean we've just we've talked so much about how much we love next generation and um i am also in the camp that think there is definitely also room for t-space nine and that it's secretly better (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah lots of lots of deep space nine 
Uh, we're going to be jumping into some Deep Space Nine. Yes. Uh, this. Um, yes. Yes. This list. Um, <laughs> but not exclusively. Um, it will comprise the uh, the majority of episodes on this list. Um, as it's kind of the bigger th- like thing that was happening during this time period. Like the, the uh, this new Star Trek spinoff that was happening. Um, but we are also going to be... Um, checking out how next generation finally kind of winds down its successful seven year run. Um, and this is going to be fun because not only are we, are we con- comparing and contrasting two very tonally different Star Trek shows, but we're going to be comparing a uh, contrasting a Star Trek show at the very beginning of its run and one that's, at the very kind of end of its run, but they were both happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. one was in the on the way in, and one was on the way out, and um, so a lot of kind of thing. I think fun comparing and contrasting between these two shows at these two specific times. Um, golly gee, <laughs> golly gee, and golly gee, Willikers, Jared. Um, and we'll, we're gonna, yeah, TNG is gonna have some interesting stuff. Uh, we've already watched a lot of TNG, but TNG gets darker in the movies. I feel like later on it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's generally agreed upon that TNG has a bit of a dip in quality. I wasn't, um, I wasn't gonna spoil anything <laughs> <laughs> from it. I mean, it's not like we're going back to season one, no, or anything like that, but. There's definitely a dip in quality from its like creative heights that we were just in in the glory years, um, and you know during this time a lot of so a lot of attention was being put on Deep Space Nine at this time because it was like the new kid on the block, and so a lot of resources were going into like we need this new show. Next generation is doing fine, mm-hmm. no matter what we do, people are turning tuning in, so we need this new show to be successful. Um, and then like, in addition to that, like as TNG is winding down, they're also gearing up for the first TNG movie. So that's also kind of distracting a lot of their attention is like, they're also planning for the first movie. And then on top of that, as TNG started to wind down, there were already planning on yet another Star Trek show that would be replacing next generation. So there was a lot of divided attention when it used to be just everyone was focused on next gen and suddenly all these other projects are happening. Um, and so, yeah, the end of next generation, it's almost kind of felt like it kind of gone up, got a little neglected a little bit. It goes a bit wayward. It's, it gets a little wonky in that's last season, particularly the finale, right? The finale is genuinely awesome, but there are just some, just some wonky episodes in that, last, in that last season. Still being debated over. It's like, did this work? What, what, what are we supposed to think about this one? Mm. Um, so yeah, that'll be, so like in addition to, I mean, there's, they still churn out great episodes. So it's not like we're suddenly going to be getting these weird, bad episodes. That's not the case. Um, but yeah. So in addition to D space and I will kind of be kind of looking at how next generation kind of winds down and ends its run. Um, the the Star Trek show to rule them all, <laughs> <laughs> and in the darkness, bind them. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, 
I, I guess the other, th- the one last thing we'll probably be looking at during this whole era is with everything that's going on that we just kind of mentioned in the Star Trek franchise, this is essentially peak Golden Age Trek. Yes. When like the franchise is at the, is at the height of its popularity. Like Next Generation's out. D Space Nine is here now. They're getting ready for the, the first Next Generation movie. Voyager is, a, is around the corner. There's just... This is when Star Trek ends up on like the cover of Time Magazine. Like, it's just the ratings for Next Generation are still incredibly high. They they just only, it only gets higher as the show goes on. The show basically ended at like the height of its popularity. Um, so one so going between these two shows and like now that we're like this is like peak Golden Age track as we're kind of going between these shows, we can also kind of see what boons and like pitfalls kind of come when you're just at like max like fr- like franchise like max saturation like peak popularity like the good and the bad that kind of comes with that mm. um that will be i think that'll be interesting quite um yeah this is so this is going to be a 19 episode list this is this is going to be our biggest Episode, like a ep- list of episodes um, on our hundred episode list. My God, my God. Um, this is going to span from 1993 um, through 1994. Um, and this is going to comprise episodes from seasons one and two of deep space nine and season six and seven of TNG. Um, for those wondering, I'm just uh, go ahead and let you know um, these episodes from the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine. This is the only Deep Space Nine we're going to watch on this 100 episode list. There's wow. a lot more that comes after this. Deep Space Nine is so like lore heavy and so contingent upon previous episodes that it gets harder and harder just to start picking out random episodes. So we're going to be focusing more on like literally like the early days and just kind of more conceptually as a spinoff mm. in those early days, like w- what D space nine was doing to kind of stand apart from the other stuff. Kicking ass, kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're going to be kicking off our list of episodes, our little episode selection with deep space nine's premiere feature length episode emissary. Um, and I am always excited to watch this one. Um, Emissary is often considered by many to be one of the best, if not the best, premiere of all Star Trek. Um, I, which I'll just go ahead. Spoiler: I am also in that camp. I think em- Emissary has the best, like pilot, em- like premiere out of all the shows. It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it just dives right in. It dives right the fuck in. Um, yeah, so I guess, but I guess we can see if after all these years, it still deserves the hype, that first episode. Um, we're going to be having a couple guests on to come talk about Emissary with us. Um, we will be having a returning guest host with that, um, with us for that one. Um, our good friend Carlton Bluford is going to be coming back on the show as he is a huge Deep Space Nine. That's his favorite one. Um, Carlton and I spent many, many a night talking about and arguing about Deep Space Nine <laughs> when we were all living together. He loves Deep Space Nine. 
Um, and in addition, we're going to be having a newbie on who has never watched Deep Space Nine. Um, they'll be watching the very first episode with us. Amazing. Um, so I'll have a hardcore fan and a newbie coming to talk about Emissary with us mm-hmm. next time on Star Trek Stories. And then we can listen to them talk about why DS9 is the best. And why. So now that we've watched Emissary, why is it the best one? <laughs> Thoughts? What is the best premiere of Star Trek and why is it Emissary? <laughs> Uh, I'm super excited. We have been, especially in like this chunk of episodes, like because some of what we've been, what we've been watching in the TNG glory years has been setting the stone, mm. like the like the foundation. It's like Cardassians and Bajorans, and oh, here we go. Where are we going? Um, so we've had some of like the the groundwork set in next gen. So we've kind of had a few episodes where we've been like, and, and which means of course Deep Space Nine is coming down the pike and we're finally here, folks. We finally made it to Deep Space Nine. Praise <sighs> be. Praise Christ. Praise Christ. Praise um, Christ. This is always the one, I, these, every, anytime I'm going back to watch Deep Space Nine, I'm like, fuck yes, I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's the breath of fresh air. It's uh, a relief. TOS is still my favorite, but Deep Space Nine is secretly the best so. oh yeah oh yeah so next week um carlton blueford a newbie and the beginning of deep space nine and the end of tng we've got a lot of exciting s- deep space nine and next gen stuff coming down the next several months <laughs> 19 episodes my god 19 episodes that's gonna be a big chunk of the year it's just we're going to be deep in the Deep Space Nine next-gen sauce. Deep, deep Space Nine. <laughs> um, all right. Hell yeah, everyone. Until next time, um, we will see you all out there.